Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Yeah, so we're looking at the first uh, few chapters of the book of Luke, and I just want to introduce uh, the series to us a little bit uh, with with a story. Uh, uh, one of the experiences that uh, that I had early sort of in, in my life in between uh, different gigs of doing ministry, uh, I would have gigs of doing carpentry and, and working on everything from roofing to basements to framing, the whole deal. Uh, but one of the experiences I had... Um, uh, you know, working with a boss who was kind of a good teacher and in a sense also a spiritual teacher uh, was on a day we were shingling a roof that was uh, just a really steep pitched roof. Uh, we were on the roof and uh, he'd gotten there a little bit before me and he'd set up the ropes uh, because when you're on a sort of a steeper pitched roof, um, you know, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can set up platforms to work on, but if it's, uh, if, if you're working in a certain way, it's better to work off of ropes. And it's not something I'd ever done before. Um, and, and maybe it's not even something that's done anymore for safety reasons. I don't know, but you basically would put on a harness and uh, a rope would be anchored on the other side of the roof and you'd be able to walk down the roof with your tools and begin to put shingles on. And as I was working, I was new to it. I'm not typically scared of heights or I'm not typically uncertain on my feet like that, but I was working, uh, you know, somebody's passing shingles down to you and you're trying to place them and you're trying to nail them. And that was, we weren't even using air guns at that time. So it was like sort of place a shingle, try to get it balanced there, uh, fumbling with the nails in my hands and fumbling with the, the roofing uh, hammer. And it was, I was just awkward. I was just fighting it. I was dropping shingles. I was dropping nails. I was dropping hammers. And I was just, I was just shaky and wobbly on my feet because I'm dangling at the, essentially at the end of a rope uh, with, you know, a two-story drop behind me. It was just steep enough that I could kind of keep my weight on my feet and, uh, and I'm trying to balance myself and balancing myself with the hammer and balancing myself with the nails. And it's just a disaster. I'm just uncertain. I'm just wobbly. I'm not working very well. And uh, my boss sort of looks in on what I'm doing and sees that I'm not making very much progress. I'm, I'm having uh, trouble uh, progressing in the work. And he says, he, he looks at me for a while. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And he, he calls me up there and says, come, come up here. I want to show you something. And I walk up the roof. And he, he says, okay, I want you to look at this. I want you to look at how this rope is anchored. I want you to look at uh, the numbers on this rope so that you know that this is like a rope that can support 800 pounds. Uh, and you're like, a, at that time, I was a 220-pound guy. Um, but this, this rope can support you. He says, you're working, but you're, you're not trusting the rope. Um, and, and I realized that in that moment, there was, there was a spiritual lesson for me there as well. Uh, in life, we're facing uncertain ground sometimes. We're facing precarious places. We're walking uh, in uncertain ways. And when it comes to our faith and our, and our journey with Jesus, uh, very often we try to do it without really leaning on him, without really letting him take the weight. And so just like me dangling at the end of the rope, not really uh, trusting it, it's, it's slack. It's not really holding my weight. The, the weight isn't really in the harness. I'm walking and working in a way that is wobbly and uncertain and, and imperfect and, and not accomplishing the thing I'm called to accomplish. 
And I would say the church is in that space right now as well, that we are people who are walking in an uncertain time. We're walking in a world that is uh, uncertain in terms of uh, its moral foundations. It's abandoned uh, God, and so there are no sort of moral, ideological, rational anchors for uh, living and walking and behaving in certain ways. Um, if we look at COVID, we're walking in uncertainty because everything's on a slope, everything's shifty, everything's changing. We start working in a certain way or making our business go in a certain way, and then all of a sudden we have to change it and, and re-vector our patterns and rejig our businesses and the whole deal. So we're living in this strange, uncertain place. And uh, just like me, when I was working up on that roof and I finally had inspected the rope and I'd inspected the way it was anchored and I began to let the weight of that rope uh, take me and hold me so that my legs were steady and that my hands were, were sure and that I wasn't balancing myself on my own strength and my own ability all the time. Uh, the work got better. The work got faster. Uh, the work got straighter and, and everything was better. And that is exactly, I think, what Luke is trying to get at in giving us his gospel and giving his, us his story. And I'm just going to read to you uh, from Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, just to understand this. Uh, he says this, he says, he's introducing it. He says, in so much, in as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So the first thing Luke is saying is he's saying, hey, uh, you know, you've heard the story. Uh, many have undertaken to provide a narrative. I want to provide a more solid narrative. I want to uh, provide a narrative that you can trust um, in the eyewitnesses. I've gone around and I've interviewed people. I've gone around and I've talked to them. I've gone around and, and I've made sure that I've got this story straight and I've got this thing uh, in order. I've got it together. He goes on to say, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time, I've been observing this Jesus story. I've been looking at it. I've been figuring it out. Um, having observed it, uh, it's, it's time for me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And when he writes to Theophilus, we presume he's either writing to a sponsor, but we see some interesting meaning uh, in the name Theophilus. Theophilus is a compound word in the Greek, meaning a God friend. And so I think you and I can take this book of Luke and say, hey, Luke is writing it just to us. He's writing it to you. He's writing it to me as a person who is a friend of God saying, hey, listen, I've made an orderly account here for you. I've interviewed the witnesses. Uh, this is information that you can be confident in. This is information that you can be sure in, just like that rope that I was using up on the roof that was steadying me, that was keeping me safe, that was making it possible for me to go forward in my vocation. He says this, uh, I've written this orderly account for you that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. That you might have certainty concerning the things you taught, just like me inspecting those ropes. And that word certainty really speaks to that. In fact, it speaks to that exact image. The word certainty there in the Greek uh, is a compound word made up of two words, uh, a, which, is, which means basically not, and sephein, which basically means tottering. So Luke has written this gospel so that you may be not tottering concerning the things that you have been taught. So that you may be not wobbly 
concerning the things that you've taught. So you may be uh, not unconfident, not unsteady, not walking with a wobble. And if I think to that experience uh, on the on the rope, working on the roof, once I was confident in that rope, I was able to stride. I was literally striding back and forth on the roof and up and down and all around and working with a comfort and a confidence that I simply didn't have. And so I think so often for us in our journey as Christians, so often for us in our journey of following Jesus, the reason we don't share the gospel with confidence, the reason we don't share Jesus' story with confidence, the reason that we uh, wrestle with so much fear and doubt in, in every part of our journey is that we just aren't as solid as we might be. We don't have uh, a confidence in the person of Jesus. And our look at the book of Luke is meant to build that. It's exactly what Luke is trying to do. And in the first few chapters of the book of Luke, uh, one four or chapter one through verses through chapter four verse thirteen, what he's really doing is he's outlining the credentials of Jesus. He's like, okay, these are the degrees that Jesus has on his wall. These are the little safety stickers that are on the rope that can hold you. Uh, these are the anchors that are in uh, the wood that are going to hold you fast when you're dangling at the end of the rope on the other side of the roof. So he wants us to be certain and not wobbly on the idea, ultimately, that Jesus came from God and that he's fully qualified to fulfill God's plan for salvation. And ultimately, that Jesus is fully uh, confident, fully qualified, fully certified. He has all the credentials uh, to lead you and to lead me. And that's really what we're talking about, that that opposite of tottering is striding. Uh, we want to be people who will walk with long and decisive steps in a specified direction. And that specified direction, of course, is fulfilling the mission that Jesus has for us and living out our faith uh, with confidence. Uh, just a sidebar here, of course, that doesn't mean we want Christianity to be bombastic, or we don't, we don't want to be arrogant, we don't want to be foolish, but we can walk in humility and in greater confidence, because we know more of who Jesus is, we lean on him, and we trust him. So we're just going to go, we're going to start and walk our way through these first four chapters, and I'm just going to hit uh, some of the things that Luke is bringing to our attention to help us be certain in the person of Jesus, to be certain that Jesus is, son, is the Son of God, so that we can walk confidently, that we can stride into the mission uh, that God has for us. So the first thing uh, that we see uh, is the story of the announcement of Jesus, uh, the story of the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Of course, parallel to the announcement of Jesus, we have the announcement of the birth of John. Uh, so we're going to see an interplay between these two characters in the first couple of chapters, or the first four chapters, where they're interacting with one another. But what we, the reason we have John there is because he's essentially representing the prophets uh, from the Old Testament, uh, from all of those stories of people speaking into the life of Israel and saying, hey, there's a moment here where God is speaking something new into the life of Israel and new into the world. And so uh, Jesus doesn't just come on his own. He comes with a forerunner. He comes with a trumpet. And that trumpet uh, is John. So uh, so we've got John in the picture, but I want to just start with the, the introduction of uh, the story of um, Gabriel speaking to Mary and see a couple of beautiful things here. I'm just going to read this to us. Uh, she's, he's speaking to Mary and he says this, he says, he will be great. Talking about Jesus, the child that's, that's going to be in her. And he will be called the son of the most high. 
and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So speaking to his authority, speaking to his leadership, speaking back to the kingdom of David that is seen as uh, the golden age in the life of Israel, the perfect and pure and good. Well, David was obviously an imperfect ruler, but but from by Israel's standards, uh, the best ruler that they had ever experienced. And he will reign, he will rule over the house of Jacob, the whole family of Israel forever. So not just here and now in this time frame, not just in a way that is to uh, somehow help them defeat the Romans and all the issues that they're struggling with in the present, but forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And if you remember in the story of Luke, he's, he's wanting us to pay attention to the witnesses. He's wanting us to pay attention to the eyewitnesses, to who is saying what. So he's saying, hey, listen to Mary. Mary's going to going to tell you what she experienced. And what she experienced was the angel Gabriel coming to tell her these things. So the announcement of Jesus and who he was uh, came uh, from an angel. Uh, Gabriel literally announcing not just Mary's king, not just Israel's king, but Gabriel was announcing his own king. Uh, He's announcing that Jesus is the son of God. He's announcing his superior Gabriel is announcing his leader. And so what we want to take from that, again, these aren't just uh, God sort of making up some arbitrary tests and checking off some boxes and saying, hey, yeah, Jesus meets these Old Testament things and he meets these stories. We want to check them off and, yep, verified he's the son of God. But each of those things that happen, each of those verifications, each of those credentials comes with some really rich meaning. And so what we can see in the fact that Jesus' birth was uh, announced and certified by this angelic voice is that you as a person, you here now in 2021, you can be certain, you can lean on the idea that Jesus has authority in heaven and in earth for all time to lead and to govern. If you wrestle with an uncertainty about the uh, authority of God, or if you wrestle with an uncertainty about the idea that God is in control, if you wrestle with uncertainty that God is going to lead you and speak to you in a good way and lead you to good things and lead you, I mean, sometimes through suffering, but but he will lead you uh, into his glory and purpose. The reason we have this story about the angel Gabriel is to say that, hey, you can trust his leadership, not only over you, not only over the nations, but over every spiritual power, uh, every enemy that might oppress you, every darkness that might assail you, uh, every nightmare, every bad dream that you have, you can call on Jesus as your king to assert his authority and to make a difference in the world that he has created. And we are called to walk as his kingdom people and to follow him because we know that Jesus is the son of God. And he stands over the angel Gabriel, over Satan, and over every dark power. He is king. He is large. And he is in charge. You can lean on him. And you can trust him. Uh, John goes on. That's just one little piece. Uh, Sorry, uh, Luke goes on. We have the certification of his divine birth. That's what we celebrated at Christmas. We're not going to spend forever looking at it, but uh, we look at the text here. How will this be since I'm a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child born to you will be, again, the Son of God. Listen, do you have any doubt 
in your mind that Jesus is divine? Do you have any doubt in your mind that you can lean on and you can rest on uh, Jesus as somebody who will show you who God is? Somebody who will show you the beauty of God. Somebody who will show you the character of God. Somebody who will show you the personality of God. Are you worried that God, that Yahweh, is somehow a a great, mean dictator in the sky who doesn't love, who doesn't care? In the story of Jesus, we see God himself. So when you see the compassion of Jesus, when you see the love of Jesus, when you see the heart of Jesus for the poor, when you lay your eyes on this person and how he walked and interacted with his friends and interacted with the nations, you are seeing the very son of God, the very person of God, that personality came from God himself. That is who God is. Theologically speaking, in Jesus, we have a revelation of everything that God is. So you can be certain if you're not sure you can trust God, you're not sure you can lean on who he is. Uh, He might be scary and unknown to you. Read the gospels and know him. He is Jesus. He is the son of God. He is filled with compassion and love and truth and justice and righteousness. That's a weight that you can lean on. You can stride forward in the confidence of knowing who he is. Listen, uh, he is certified by the priesthood. Uh, we see that uh, all through the story of his interaction with, uh, with John. John is a son of priests. He's a prophet who is a son of priests. He is uh, prophesied uh, by you know, uh, his, his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, So we have this priestly connection in the life of John, who is the forerunner of Christ. Uh, But then we have this great encounter uh, with Simeon. Simeon is a prophetic voice in the temple. We don't know if he was a priest or if he was just someone who was respected by the priest, but he was in the temple. He had authority to speak, uh, to prophetically give the word of God. And when he finally meets the baby Jesus, uh, David, or sorry, uh, Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple to have him dedicated and to have him... um, you know, uh, sort of blessed by the priests and to make the sacrifices that are appropriate in that time. And when Simeon sees Jesus, there's a longer prayer and a song there, but he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Now what Simeon is saying there, uh, he talks about Jesus also being a light to the Gentiles, but what he's really saying there is he's saying, Hey, do you remember the story of how when the people of Israel need to deal with their sin, We take a sheep, we take a goat, we lay our hands on it, and we lay the sins of Israel upon it. And we we kill it, we slaughter it, uh, so that uh, the sins of Israel uh, can be dealt with. The scapegoat uh, in the ancient tradition, uh, just released outside of the city. This is what Simeon is saying. For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen the forgiveness of the sins of Israel as I hold this little baby in my arms. Uh, Jesus is certified by the priesthood. You can be certain that he is a sacrifice acceptable to God for the sins of his people. That he is the pure and holy and spotless lamb. 
you can be certain that whatever your sin is, whatever your struggle is, whatever your, uh, your brokenness is, whatever it is inside of you that is at odds with God, whatever you have done, whoever you have broken, whatever evil thing lurks in your heart, you can be certain that Jesus is certified as a sacrifice that can take away your sin. And we will see that story play itself out on the cross. He loves you that much, and he is worthy and a pure and spotless lamb. He represents the priesthood of God and and the sacrifice that is made for you and for me. So not only is he certified, though, by the priesthood, and Luke just builds and builds and builds, and I'm just going to keep going because we need to feel the weight of all that Jesus is and celebrate the beauty of who he is. He is certified by the law. Uh, His parents bring him into the temple, and they follow all of the law's observances. And we see that Jesus, through his ministry, follows the law. He says, I have not come to take away one stroke from the law, but to fulfill it. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 2, 22 to 40. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee. You can be certain that Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. You can be certain that everything that the Torah and the prophets, uh, the ancient books of the Bible pointed to as being God's will for humanity on earth, Jesus walked that out with complete holiness and purity. So he is the sacrifice. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the legally chosen sacrifice for your sins. He is, uh, he's got it. He's done it. He's accomplished it. He's fulfilled it. You can be certain that he is righteous and that everything that God has said about him and about the world that he has made is fulfilled in him. You can trust in what he says. You can trust in what Jesus says. You can trust in uh, him calling you to obedience. You can trust in him calling you to repentance. You can trust in him calling you to new behaviors and new ways of living. What we're going to see in the verses that follow uh, when we look at, or in the weeks that follow when we look at Jesus' ministry, is he's showing us a completely new way to live in fulfillment of the law. He's written new rule uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and how to walk that out and how to live it in compassion and purity and holiness. And he, because he has fulfilled the law, has authority to bring a way of life to you that will be transformative in the world. So he is certified by the law. He is certified, educated. We see uh, by the time he's age 12, uh, Mary and Joseph, again, speaking to their faithfulness, are constantly going into the temple every year uh, to celebrate Passover. They're going back to Jerusalem. So they go to see Jerusalem when he's 12 years old. Uh, They go there with their family. Um, Jesus sort of disappears. I guess they're a big family. They're all kind of watching out for one another. It's like they've left their son by accident in the Walmart and uh, everybody thought the other guy was watching him. I don't know. But after three days of looking for Jesus because he's gotten sucked into life in the temple because he loves being there. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding 
in his answers. So we see that Jesus submitted himself to education. Jesus submitted himself to what every other uh, Jewish rabbi did as a young person, submitted himself to the memorization of the Word of God that he himself uh, had eternally written. Uh, He submitted himself to, listen to this, uh, to listening to them and asking questions. We seldom emphasize that part. Uh, We talk about how Jesus answered questions and blew them away with his amazing wisdom, but Jesus also was paying attention to them and listening to them. Uh, Listen, we can trust that Jesus is exegeting, is listening to uh, all of the philosophers in our culture. He is listening to every ideology. He has read, even now, every book that has ever been written. Uh, There are no surprises to him. He knows about Nietzsche. He knows about Camus. He knows about Kierkegaard. He knows about philosophers uh, who are who are speaking into and who have formed the culture that we're living in. He he knows all of that, and he has listened and he has answers. You can be confident that what Jesus taught is true that it stands on the foundation of Scripture. You can trust your Bible, and it stands up to any philosophical or theological argument that you may face. You don't have to go into any situation with any doubt that Jesus has figured out how to do apologetics. Jesus knows how to reach the hearts and minds of the most brilliant people on the planet now because he is and forever will be the greatest intellect that has ever walked the face of the earth. He is the very mind of God. You can trust him. And as you dig into the scriptures and as you learn and as you ask questions and as you passionately delve into the Bible, you will not be disappointed. That is another thing you can lean on so that you can stride confidently into your culture to be another forerunner of Jesus, to tell the story of Jesus to your friends. And it goes on. He is certified by the prophets. And we see that identification of John the Baptist as uh, Elijah as someone who has come in the spirit of Elijah. And this is what um, is spoken about him about John the Baptist and about his story. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one, we read that earlier, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. What John is is saying through his whole life is that uh, in Jesus, you will see salvation. Now, a Jewish person in that space and time would not be looking uh, back to any sort of a prophet for verification because the prophets always could find fault, always criticized. The, the whole story of the prophets in the Old Testament is them looking at the kings, them looking at the rulers, uh, speaking in the voice of God and saying, hey, you have fallen, you have failed, uh, you have not followed my law, you have worshipped idols, you have... Uh, led the people into depravity, and I as a prophet am here to speak and to call you to repentance and call you to holiness and to speak of God's judgment to you. But John doesn't have a single bad thing to say about Jesus. Jesus is holy and completely affirmed by the life of John. In the Matthew account, we see him saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Uh, so you can be certain in this time and in this world that Jesus is a person who is without reproach. He cannot be impeached. He will not betray you. He does not have lies. He is not involved in conspiracy theories. Uh, He is not going to manipulate the media. He is a truthful and solid and loving and compassionate and a good leader who simply will not fail you. He will not fail you. The very prophet Elijah, as expressed through the ministry of the life of John, has only affirmation for Jesus as your leader, as the voice of God to you. You can trust him. And you can trust that he has authority to call you to repentance. You can trust that Jesus has authority to call you to love him, to call you to abandon your evil ways, to call you to abandon behaviors, to call you to abandon addictions, because he has perfect integrity and perfect power to set you free. And we're going to see that freedom that comes, that power exercised in the chapters to come. Uh, He is certified by his baptism. Uh, Jesus did not need to be baptized for the repentance of sins, but he went through the waters of baptism uh, to do two things. One, to identify with the story of Israel uh, entering into the promised land at the edge of the 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 river Jordan, uh, where they failed to enter in and had 40 years of wandering through the desert. He walks in to the water. Uh, he walks across into the promise, and and just without going into it, that's just one of so many points throughout this text, through uh, Luke 1 through 4, where we see mirrored in the life of Jesus, the story of Israel. We see uh, Jesus' uh, journey into Egypt and coming out of Egypt. We see Jesus crossing the Jordan, and so many other points where he fully identifies with the story of Israel, and he also fully identifies with your story, though he didn't need to enter into the river as a baptism of repentance. He entered into your moment of repentance with you. The suffering of repentance, the grief of acknowledging the sin that's in your heart and what you're living with, uh, the grief of admitting that, man, I have sinned. I have failed. I can see the people that I have hurt. I can see the people that I've broken. I can see the ways in which I've hurt the heart of God. Jesus enters into those moments with you. He enters through the waters of repentance with you, though he need not be there, but he will identify with every part of your story. If you think that repentance is too lonely, is too shameful, is too hurtful, and you just don't want to deal with your stuff, recognize that the holy, beautiful Lamb of God enters into those waters with you and will hold your hand and walk your hand through your addiction, will walk your hand through your brokenness. You can lean on Him. He will enter into every part of your story from the brightest parts to the darkest parts. And there's so much more significance in Jesus' baptism, but we're just touching little pieces here. Listen, he is certified as God. When Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, it says this, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then the voice from heaven, the Father says, you are my beloved son. 
with you I am well pleased. And we see Jesus completely united and completely uh, at one, completely in fellowship with the Godhead, with the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son. And so we see this beautiful expression in the baptism of Jesus of the Trinity. We see uh, in that an image of community, of perfect unity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, into which you and I get to enter through faith and relationship with Jesus. We enter into a friendship with God. We enter into an intimacy with God. We enter into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We enter into uh, the life of the Son, and He enters into our sufferings with us. You can be certain that you are part of a community. As He saves you from your sin and washes you and makes you whole, you have a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who created the whole universe, who holds it in the palm of His hands, you can have fellowship with in your living room, in your car, in your bed at night, before you go to sleep as you read the scriptures. You have intimacy with God. Because Jesus is certified, he has those credentials, and Luke is giving them to us. Uh, He has a certified lineage. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, he goes through the whole history of the important people in the Jewish nation, uh, a genetic lineage. Lineage, Of course, uh, as, as he was supposed to be the son of, of Joseph, the, he owns that through his life. Of Joseph, the son of David, the son of Jesse, uh, step back a few hundred years. The son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, jump back a few hundred years. The son of Shem, Noah, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And what Luke is saying there is that Jesus intends to uh, identify with all of humanity. He is a son of Adam uh, through uh, his relationship uh, with humanity. So we can be certain that he didn't come uh, just for a few that he likes. He didn't just come for a select group of humanity. He didn't just come for one race. He didn't just come for one culture. He didn't just come for one uh, people group or ethnicity or nation. Jesus came to you and to me and to every human being on the planet as a son of Adam. He is building a community of every tribe, of every tongue, and of every nation. He's building a family of God. And you can lean on his inclusivity. He loves every person and is calling them to himself, calling them to repentance, calling them to holiness, but calling us into the family of God. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. He is calling his people into communion because he has a certified lineage that we can lean on, that we can trust. If you have doubt about if Jesus loves everybody, or if you hear Christianity accused of not loving everybody, you can rest on the fact that Jesus, the son of Adam, came for every human being on the planet. So you can be certain You can be certain. You can hang out on the end of the rope and do the work that you're called to do. You can stride into the darkness. You can stride bumpy roads. You can stride into the unknown, confident in Jesus that he has the authority to govern. He is the only revelation you ever need. He can deal with your sin and my sin. He will do everything that he said. He is faithful. 
He faces every intellectual challenge. He will not fail in his integrity as we humans so often fail. He will enter into your story every part of darkness that you can't imagine he could touch. He will walk with you through the waters of repentance. He is in communion with you, and he is longing for fellowship with you and God. And he has come for every human being in his love. That's what we see in the credentials of Jesus. That's what we see in the faithfulness of Jesus. And if we look just for a second at the story of the temptation, his journey through the desert, symbolizing Israel's 40 days in the desert uh, that, was, that, that he experienced uh, and the temptation of the enemy. And we're not going to take too long on that, but three temptations came to him. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Again, the Spirit led him into this, which uh, that's a whole lot to talk about right there. But... Um, the enemy offered him to use his power to make his own bread. And Jesus refused it in that moment. He refused uh, to go through hunger in his own power. And he chose uh, to go through hunger and to go through the pain uh, to walk through it with you, but he, because he was confident and he was secure in his father's plan and his provision. So not only does he have credentials, but he chose to lean on them himself. He chose to lean into the father's story himself. He chose the journey to the cross. He chose that journey of suffering, suffering. He chose ultimately that journey of himself being bred that is broken for you that we talk about at communion. Uh, the enemy offered to give him all of the kingdoms of the world, uh, Satan, the ruler of all the earth. Again, theologically, so much to talk about there. Uh, but just to say that Jesus would not take a shortcut to love the world by power and authority and chose to love the world by sacrifice and submission and becoming a sacrifice for all of humanity. He did not choose the shortcut. He chose the way of pain for you because he loves you. So not only was it his credentials to be the spotless lamb, but he chose to be the sacrifice for you. The shortcut was offered him, it to him, but he chose uh, the way that would work for salvation for you. And then at last, uh, he was offered the opportunity to throw himself down from the temple to demonstrate to the whole world that his father loves him and cares for him and that he uh, would ultimately be saved from this, uh, you know, destructive plummet from the, the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, that it, everybody who was gathered there would sort of see him float gently to the ground. And he, he didn't even deal with that issue in the sense that he just said, listen, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. I do not need to prove to the people that my father loves me because I am my father and I know his love. He is the love of the father. He's secure in the Father's love because he is the love of the Father. And he didn't need gimmicks or tricks or games uh, under the hand of the enemy to even wrestle with any of that. He walked in love. He chose love. 
He was love for you, and he has put any enemy under his feet because he is God himself. He has the credentials. Every temptation he refused to walk the journey to the cross for you because he loves you. And so we stand here uh, on the edge of the roof. We stand here on the edge of a dark path. We stand here in an unknown time. We stand here uh, wondering what COVID is going to bring us next. We stand here wondering, you know, what kind of building is our church going to ultimately meet in? We stand here wondering, are our businesses going to stay open or are they going to close? We stand here wondering, are the moral foundations of our society completely uh, unabandoned, uh, that have completely abandoned God? Is the church going to undergo a time of persecution? Is the church going to undergo a time of uncertainty? There are so many unknowns. There is so much uncertainty ahead of us, but we can stride with confidence into the future with Jesus holding our hands because we know who he is. He loves us. Jake, you can come and pray for us. He has the qualifications uh, to save us. He loves us. Yeah. Yeah. Would you just pray with me? Um, God, I thank you for Jesus being a rope for us to be able to lean on holistically in our lives. I thank you for, I just pray, God, in, in Jesus' name, the, the, the living, risen Jesus, that, that we would see what you're saying to each one of us in our everyday lives, that we would see the area that we are teetering and wobbly that you are actually inviting us to confidence in, to an increased place of trust, to the questions about, am I going to be able to raise my kids that well? Am I going to be able to make it in this job? Am I going to be able to live up to the expectations of my parents or my spouse? Am I going to be able to be good enough to, to earn your love? God, show us the invitation before each one of our lives. Am I going to be able to finish my life well? I'm tired. I've lived a long life. I'm tired. Show us, God, how we can trust you, how you are a, a, a place of confidence for us to lean on in every bit of our lives. Thank you so much for who you are. And I thank you for the beauty, God, that it is that as we learn to trust you, as we put more of our weight on Jesus, the rope, that there's a manifestation. There's this, there's the, the kingdom of God just breaks through here in this life. People see like, what is, why is that guy so relaxed right now? I would be terrified. <laughs> like, you know, I thank you that neighbors see, see Jesus in, in people handling trial and suffering and difficulty differently because we have you. I, th I just thank you, God, that, that like everybody's looking for this. And as we find it, we have something else to point our neighbors to, to point our coworkers and friends to. I just pray that the revelation of Jesus, the rope, would just sweep across our town, that it would sweep across our, our workplaces and our schools, God, that we would see that you are real. I thank you for the gospel of Luke and the work that he did to try and say, look, I've done the due diligence. This thing is for real. <laughs> let, it, let that inspire us, God, to do the due diligence ourselves and to find the rock solid Jesus, to find the rock solid gospel, the rock, the rock to, to build our lives on. Help us to, help us to follow Luke's example and, and, and to receive from you, God, just everything that you've desired to be to us. Thank you so much for who you are and for your love for us. I just bless uh, God, everybody tuned in to, with that love and ask that you would fill each of us Holy Spirit.
Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.